You registered our car as a farm vehicle? <laughs> Don't be surprised. He registered the Dodge as a pull toy. The next thing I register is going to be a handgun. <laughs> Sweetheart, now that you're driving a farm vehicle, there are a few restrictions that you need to know about. One, you must not drive on paved roads. Two, the Amish always have the right of way. And three, since you always must be on official business, you must have this in your car at all times. <laughs> Hence, the South 40 motto, no chicken, no check. Let's rock. I get a open. No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back to the nudie bar. My name is Tyler. Franklin Tigno. <laughs> who, who do I have here with me today? Uh, this is Stephen, and everybody, you need to remember this. This is very important. Elmer is mad at Bugs because Bugs tied his shotgun barrel into a boat. <laughs> yes, yes. And we all know what happens when you try to fire a gun that has the end tied into a beautiful bow. It backfires. <laughs> That's right. And, but fortunately, Elmer won't die. No, no, absolutely not. He'll just get, you know, a bunch of soot covered in his face. His face won't get blown completely right off. No. no. <laughs> so we are discussing today Season 8, Episode 6, No Chicken, No Check. And this totally has a laugh out. He said the line in the actual episode. Uh, so it'll pop up in there and I'll point it out when we get there but the actual episode is title was inspired by the song No Woman No Cry by Bob Marley one of the only songs that's almost impossible to not find the live version and find a studio version on YouTube but the live version's pretty good No Woman No Cry Did you want to take it away, Stephen? You want to take away how we how this whole episode kind of opens up? Well, first of all, let's uh, kind of discuss this a little bit. In getting uh, back to No Chicken, No Check, got to remember this was um, aired on October 10th, 1983. It was written by Ralph Farquhar and Michael Moy. And um, let's see, I think there were two more credits on this one. Yeah, Nancy Newfield Calloway. It was directed by Tony Singletary. That's right. It's good old Tony. Yeah, see, that tells me that we're going to be in good hands, even though it does 
doesn't really feel like one of his episodes. Like you, as what you said, it it is kind of subtle on on its humor, but it's there. So. Mm-hmm. All right, welcome back, beloved listeners. We are now moving into a very, very funny episode. I think it's funny. Uh, Stephen, you said it. You told me off air it doesn't have a lot of like standout moments. I didn't think so, really, but uh, we can discuss that as we go through. I just didn't think it was that stellar of an episode. Let's just put it that way. But who knows? Because when we were all working together on uh, Hood and the Boys, you know, that was one I thought was mediocre, but after discussing it, I started to appreciate it more. So who knows what's going to happen between now and the time we get done. That's very, very true, Stephen. Like, my views on episodes change all the time and sometimes i go into one of these recordings with a complete you know solid stance and well at the end my ratings change big time you know one time i loved the england show epics but over time <laughs> yeah i remember your uh your input on those when they were uh posting i kind of echoed those in my own reviews so well let's get on into it they bought their own Bundy mobile. I got them to knock off another hundred dollars on the car. I mean, why pay for seatbelts? You don't have brakes. But can they share it? I met a foreign exchange student who's so easy, she makes you look like a calculus problem. My lines are born for you. Married with children. Get out an all new episode someday on Fox. The episode opens with something that I had to rewind and make sure I was actually watching Married with Children. Finish the errands, Mom. It's such a treat driving Dad's Dodge. The noise, the rust, the thrill of watching the open road through the open floorboard. <laughs> we got everything you wanted from the store. Bourbon-flavored bonbons. <laughs> romance novels. Kenny G CD. Hmm. You and Dad are going to have quite a time tonight, huh, Mom? Batteries. <laughs> Steven, did it shock you to see... Were those grocery bags? Yeah, it shocked me too, yes. The kids walk in with grocery bags, but you have to look. I want to see what was in those grocery bags. I I know. They're not the, like, they're totally missing a good old caricature of, like, what, the baguette, uh, a little hint of, of, like, celery or broccoli sticking out to show just a standard grocery bag. But they were bulging. There had to be something in there. Well, of course, there's probably just boxes of bonbons. Uh, she had one in her weekly news world magazine. Oh, not, or not, not bonbons. Bonbon-flavored ice cream. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they should have been double-bagged. <laughs> yes. Yeah, just have both. Why you have two when you could have it all at once? Yep, and a nice Kenneth Bruce Gorlick album. Oh, and for those of you rubes out there who don't know who I just said... His stage name is Kenny G, an American jack saxophonist, and his 1986 album, Do Tones, brought him commercial success. And let me tell you, like, even I know who Kenny G is. You put on some Kenny G, you in the mood for loving, and that's what Kelly's thinking when she turns to her Peggy and goes, wow, you and Dad must have an awesome night plan. Right, right, Stephen? Uh-huh, Yeah. <laughs> Until Bud throws the what? What is he throwing on the table, Stephen? Batteries. 
Exactly. Ooh. <laughs> the, you can just, can you hear it? I can literally hear the censors back then ripping hair out of their heads, going, those assholes, they know what they're doing. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Well, you got to remember, Fox censors are a little bit more uh, lenient than, than ABC, CBS, and all them. They were still a new network, so they're probably a little bit more lenient so they can get more ratings. Because th- there was a lot of that on this one. I couldn't believe how much uh, innuendos they make. In it, But they're just clever. Like, I know, I can guarantee you, if I was not a minimum of 13 to 14 years of age, I would not have gotten the batteries. Yeah. It, it would, it just, it would have went right over my head. I would not have understood it at all. I got to tell you. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's one of uh, Steven Spielberg's lesser-known movies called 1941. And it was made in 1979. I was 11 years old, and I was almost 12. And we wanted to go see it. It was rated PG. And there's this scene, and I didn't pick up on this until I was older, when Tim Matheson is talking to Donna Allen, who's played by Nancy Allen, about the B-1 bomber. And he was talking about how it has a tremendous thrust and it rises up into the air. And my dad, I remember leaning over saying, Stephen, are you sure this is PG? And I was saying, yeah, Dad, yeah. But I had no clue what Tim Matheson was talking about. Oh, my gosh. It's so, like, we should actually do a side thing for the patrons in the future on, like, how innuendos have been used throughout comedy history since, like, since the 1800s and just have gotten past Puritan America without even realizing it. It's, it's so great. I got to mention something too, though. The kids were talking about riding in the car, watching the road go by underneath the broken floorboard. You remember that? Yeah. My aunt Cheryl, she had a car that had a broken floorboard and I remember riding in it. Like you could down. like you could see the pavement. Yes, uh, we below could see you. The, it was in the back. <gasps> what? Seat. Are you serious? I am serious. And she was taking me and my cousins to go see our grandparents in uh, Stillwell. And I'm looking down. I see that road moving by, and I was scared to death. <laughs> but, I couldn't become an Uber driver because my seat buckle didn't have the proper plastic casing around it. It was just the metal part that the seatbelt mm-hmm. clicked into. And you guys could ride around with no floor. That's fascinating. Well, it wasn't a big hole, but it was a hole big enough to, where you could look down and see it. And it was. If I can see the pavement, I'm not getting into that fucking car below my feet. <laughs> Screw that. And it was a Volkswagen bug, too, so there wasn't much room back there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know what that just reminded me of? Complete sidebar here. Do you remember that Volkswagen commercial that came out about four Super Bowls ago? This It was uh, a guy washing his hybrid, uh, no, his, uh, his electric car, and this Volkswagen just pulls up and talk, starts talking in a pure, like, German voice. He goes, hey, you know what? It's a Volkswagen, man. It sounds, you should totally drive my car. It'd be like a vroom, vroom, vroom. And the guy's like, oh, yeah. He's like, what does your, uh, pre- your electric car sound like? And the guy goes, oh. And that was just the end of the commercial. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I do remember boy. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. The la- I think that was like the last uh, joke you could make on an electric car. <laughs> right. <laughs> but back to this beautiful uh, gem of an episode. So, yes, we've got, um, we got the kids 
got they went and got groceries and but Peggy is sure she forgot something. That old feeling of I know it was something I was supposed to do. Eh, it's probably not that important. And then into thundering applause comes Al. <laughs> Well, I guess my cries this morning of, if you're going to use the car, please, please, I beg you, pick me up from work, was a little vague. Huh? Oh, would you shut up? We're trying to remember what we forgot to do today. How did I get home, you ask? Well, not having the correct change for public transportation, nor the bills to get the correct change, nor the job to get the bills to get the correct change, I got a ride from two fine gentlemen who drive the roadkill truck. How was your day, Peg? Anything interesting happen on the couch? Well, actually, I... don't I... care. <laughs> Give me my car key. <laughs> Last time you get to use the car! <laughs> I feel for the guy so bad because this does seem like it would happen to me, especially with some of the roommates I've had in the past. But I was like, all you had to do, if I was going to lend you my car, and I said, sure, just please pick me up from work. So poor Al had to walk from the mall through Chicago all the way home. Because you know he doesn't have no money for taxis. So, ah, just, I don't think I've ever walked home from a job where it was not conceivable that I could walk home from that job before. Like, I would wait for a ride, or I would call a cab, or I would get somebody at my job to give me a ride. I don't know, just like, I've never done that. To the idea of working a full shift and then having to walk home unexpectedly, uh, I'd be stopping at a bar for for a drink. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Which Al can't yeah. do because he doesn't have any money. <laughs> and then there was a, one more thing I want to bring up is when Al says, give me my car key, the last time you get to use the Dodge, they give him a screwdriver. Okay, it was a screwdriver. I knew yeah. it was a tool. I couldn't really see, though. I wasn't wearing my glasses. I'm like, that had to be a screwdriver. Yeah, that will come back and I think it's season uh, 10 where we have to get the Dodge out of hell. Oh, yes. Well, those are future episodes. We don't know what the future will bring. But, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, because I thought that was funny when Al was like, Bud, give me my key. And I'm like, wait, key? Singular? I've never heard anybody just say, all right, I'm taking my car back. Steven, give me my car key. Like, no, you just say, give my keys. At one time, the ignition and the door were the same key. I do vaguely remember that when I was a little kid. Really? My parents would have one key to get in and to open the door, and uh, it was the same key to start it up. Yeah, just make got to make it easier for them thieves to steal it, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, I really, really had no idea about that. So, and that, the Dodge probably would fall into that category. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Actually, it falls below that category. It doesn't even have a key. So, yeah. Um, all right, so yeah, Al waltzes in wearing what I think is a 
comically too small of a tie for him. Stephen, I'm not a tie wearer. Maybe you are. It, is that small? Is that too small of a tie for Al? It's uh, well. The thing is, um, a couple things on that. First of all, I was never much of a big tie wearer, and uh, I do know some etiquettes about tie. His tie is too short. That is for sure. There is a way to make it longer because. You know, he's obviously trying to get the back part even with the front part, which is a mistake a lot of people make. And in the world of uh, movies and TV and even plays, the short tie is often used as a symbol of success. What? Yeah. Really? I always took it as a sign of this guy's a loser. Well, I think that's part of it, too, because he's not, well, you know, you say loser. He's not a success. In fact, if you watch uh, the earlier episodes when Steve is around, he always has a nice, lean, long tie. Yeah, because he's a... He's a successful... And he's a he's a grown adult who knows how to dress himself. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay, you're and, right. But Al's has always been short, and it's done that way. And I'll bet you anything it was done that way on purpose. Yeah, absolutely. I just it the it stuck out to me the the whole short tie look. I'm like, wow. I mean, like, I that's not something Al usually wears. Maybe that just shows where he's extra. Like, there's Al's not going to have any success at all. No, even e- even fake success is not going to happen to Al in this. Uh, in this well, show. it never happens and. Well, it never never happens, but sometimes Al gets successful, and it seems like he's going to be successful for at least five or ten minutes. But in this episode, like, he gets success, and then it's taken away almost immediately. Mm -hmm. Completely. If you cut all of Kelly and Bud Bundy out of this episode completely, you would just show Al... Yay, I got something. Oh, it's gone. Yay, I got something. Oh, it's worse. Like in one after another after another. It's it's very it's very fascinating. There's like we're going to take Al down even more. <laughs> so that leads to the discussion about Bud and Kelly getting their own car. How am I supposed to get to school? Yeah, dad, how am I going to get to work? Yeah, how am I going to get to this store to buy the double issue of the National Enquirer? <laughs> And food and groceries. Dad, why don't you just get us a car? Well, geez, Louise, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> New cars for everybody! <laughs> Peg, would you like a BMW? Well, I kind of see myself in a Jaguar. Oh, if only we could find one that hungry. <laughs> $400 saved from work. I'll just get a car myself. Hey, wait a second. I have $400 saved, too. Hey, we could pool our money and share a car twice as nice. Yeah. Not like Dad's piece of... Our children! <laughs> oh, what the hell, Wolfen? <laughs> Let me tell you something about sharing. Don't do it. It can only come to trouble. Your mother and I shared a bed and nothing good came out of it. <laughs> Maybe that's because nothing good went into it. Which, what the F? How could this family... All right, new car stuff, that's a good staple for a sitcom. If one sitcom can't do that, though, it's this one. 
Like, we all know the Dodge. There's no other car that deserves to be in the Bundy family. And if someone's going to get a new car, it's not going to be Kelly and Bud. No. But what did you think about that, Stephen? What did you think about the secret money that uh, Bud and Kelly actually have? I was surprised Peg hadn't stolen it. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, we know how Kelly earned it, but... It always surprises me when Bud ends up with money. Yeah, and, uh, well, he probably just, you know, he was a sneak thief. Maybe he stole some of it. Maybe he, uh... Oh, I think I know what it is, Stephen. I think Kelly actually had $800, but Bud explained to her that she actually only had 400 because if you look at an 8 upside down, if you look at a 4 upside down, sometimes it looks like an 8. So he just took 400 and said, see, look, it's actually 400. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, Don't act like that wouldn't work. Like, <laughs> Yeah. But like I said, I'm just surprised Peg hadn't stolen it because she stole all that money from Al for his car and his retirement and everything else. She doesn't steal money, Stephen. It's, she, she just takes what's, you know, what's rightfully hers. That's our money, Stephen. Uh, by ours, I mean it's Peggy and Al's money. <laughs> In either case, you know, I was surprised she hadn't pilfered it for herself. <laughs> very true, very true. I was very surprised, though, you're right, that Peggy didn't uh, cure that money herself through <laughs> deceitful ways. But, no, Kelly and Bud actually have money. They have between them roughly eight hundred dollars. Which did uh, did you do the uh, inflation math, Stephen? Uh, no, but I can do that real quick and let oh, you well, know. Oh well, I actually already did it. What is it? So this is nineteen ninety-two. Ninety-three. Ninety-three. Okay, ninety-three. Excuse me. So this is nineteen. So in nineteen ninety-three, money, they have about fourteen hundred dollars worth of money to spend, which. You know what? For the for for where they where they're going to get their car, that actually makes a little bit of sense. Maybe, yeah. Where are they going to go? Are they going to go to a used car lot? No, they don't end up going to a used car lot. No, they don't. No, because out of nowhere, literally as Al says it, where are you guys going to get that car? In comes our Deus Ex Darcy's. Now look, it doesn't matter. You've only got eight hundred dollars, and eight hundred dollars can't buy you a car. Jefferson, tell them what $800 can buy. Well, could buy you a nice car. <laughs> you really know where you can get a car for $800, Mr. Darcy? Sure do. Car auctions. You know where they sell cars seized by federal agencies? Well, it's true. They may not be in the best of shape. Bullet holes, blood stains, the smell of rotting bodies. <laughs> but then you don't seem to mind riding in the Dodge. <laughs> No bullet holes in my Dodge. <laughs> but that can be changed if you're willing to crawl into the trunk. You know something? Don't you think it's rude they don't even knock? They just walk in? No, absolutely not. Al and Peggy have stolen so much of their stuff that I would feel automatic rights to enter that home anytime I wanted to. Oh, I guess that's true. I never thought about it that way. <laughs> 
yeah. <laughs> like you have our newspaper, you have our trash cans, you've taken our hedge anything clippers. that co- hedge clippers, anything that's not bolted to the ground, you just take. So you know what? I've we threatened police. We can't sue you because. Well, you don't look. have anything. Yeah. <laughs> so you know what? We're just going to waltz right on in. If you try to give us crap, we're just going to throw that back in your face. And I think that works for them. <laughs> I guess so. So yeah. So so Jefferson and Marcy waltz right on in here. And before Al and Marcy can go into a nice Goodfellas reference, we got Jefferson dropping his skeezy advice on where to get a new car. And they come up with a police auction. Yeah. And you can get some good stuff that way. Yeah. All the stuff that's, of course, completely legally appropriated by the police is uh, is completely up for grabs. Yeah. Funny story. I remember a long, long time ago, I was working in a tiny... Well, there was this... I was working in a small newspaper in a bedroom community of Tulsa called Sand Springs. And uh, you get to know everybody there, the police chief and some of the police and the people at the city hall and all that. And they want us to do a story on their um, big uh, police auction they were going to have the following week. And they had some vehicles that they had impounded. I couldn't help notice two, three things on the list. A handgun, gloves, ski mask. <laughs> and I asked, I asked the chief, I said, what happens if someone bids on all these three and gets all the same <laughs> and they get all of them? And he says, we'll immediately arrest them. <laughs> that See what I mean? The real world is like a cartoon because all that made me think about was the Futurama scene where Bender wants to buy a $10,000 cigar and he's only got 300 bucks. And they're like, I'll give you 300 for it. The guy's like, no, d- no dice. He's like, fine. I'll just buy this $300 burglar kit. Okay. <laughs> and as he's wrapping it up, he goes, so uh, what time you close tonight? <laughs> Actually, the chief clarified it for us. He said, no, you can't bid on more than so many things, you know, in a row or at the same time or anything like that. Oh, man. But I still uh, had to ask that question because it was right in that order. Gun, gloves, ski mask. <sighs> So while Jefferson throws out this whole idea of a police auction, which is, as Stephen just put it, a very good place to pick up a good car for $1,400, they could probably do it. Marcy throws out amazing Goodfellas references because it's all I was thinking of with the idea of you can get a lot of good deals on cars because you don't mind that they're riddled with bullet holes in the trunk and that they smell like a dead body in there. (laughs) Oh, well, it's just like your Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. And then Al just throws out a very dark joke, which only works for their relationship, because he just throws out, hey, there are no bullet holes in my trunk, unless you want to get in there, <laughs> Marcy. Basically implying, get in my trunk, Marcy, and I will shoot you repeatedly with live bullets. Like, we've gone from chicken joke, you look like a little chicken, to I will shoot you in the face. And it plays off the same amount of humor. I just wanted to point out how strange that is, that the show could take that humoristic tone and it 
it just it still works with the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the next day, well, I assume it's the next day, Al shows up, assumingly alone, but apparently the kids are still outside with their brand new car. How'd the auction go? Do not touch that car. We don't know where your hands have been. Then you better not sit in it. (laughs) Fine. As you can tell, the kids purchased a car. And as you can see, all my fears about them sharing were totally unfounded. On the good side, I got them to knock off another hundred dollars on the car. I mean, why pay for seatbelts if you don't have brakes? <laughs> so you know what I'm gonna do now, Peg? Give the money to me? Yes, to buy groceries. Groceries? <laughs> yes, Peg, the stuff you have to wade through to get to the TV guide. <laughs> and I better be able to eat everything in that bag, Peg, just food. Just beef. Just do it. <laughs> Apparently, they were able to get a sweet deal. I said it was around, they said they had 800 bucks. Apparently, they got a car for 700 leaving Al with a sick $100 bills left over. Now, Stephen, what's Al going to do with that $100 bill? Go to the nudie bar? <laughs> you would think, right? You would think, go to the nudie bar. Go do something for yourself. No, he's gonna... He's gonna entrust Peg. Go buy groceries. Yeah. You know what? I had this scene mixed up with another episode, Stephen. I had it mixed up with the whole thing of, I'm gonna tape your mother's hands to the cart and just throw her in there. Because <laughs> I'm like, we're doing this again? He's not gonna get food. He doesn't learn. Well, no, apparently he does learn a little bit because he ends up with food. Okay, so basically, listeners, he sits Peggy down and gives her the business. That's right, Peg. God, they look so firm. (laughs) Hold them up for me, baby. (laughs) Now let's see that pretty rump. (laughs) Beautiful. Blisters are hurting from carrying that food to the checkout counter. Well, Peg, if you had been there before, you would have known that the cart's in the front of the store for that. (laughs) That that was parking for the homeless. (laughs) So basically, Al just tells her, you're going to do it. And I'm going to make sure you do. And wouldn't you know it, it works out. Because then we just shift to a a scene change to a a refrigerator full of, I swear, they literally just raided a butcher shop. It looks like it, yeah. (laughs) There is legit cow carcasses in there. (laughs) It's it's amazing. It doesn't look appetizing, because I'm not that kind of person who's into beef the way Al is, apparently. Uh But you know what? I I was just like, okay, I guess Al has food. And we're going to just have to leave Al and Peggy alone for a while because we've got Kelly and Bud doing something that I don't remember them doing too much in the show. They're double dating, Stephen. 
Yes, and it's amazing who Kelly wants to go on a date with. You will never guess who I met today. The guy who plays Neuter the Cat on the Tender Innards commercials. <laughs> oh, you mean that one that says, if this meat were any fresher, the jockey would still be riding it? <laughs> he is so hot. He is the 10th most recognizable cat in media history, right behind Heathcliff and the late Miles Davis. <laughs> Look, sweetheart, daddy's got meat. <laughs> That's great, daddy. Anyway, this guy could do wonders for my career, so I asked him out on a date tonight in my new car. He is the 10th most recognizable cat in media history behind Heathcliff and the late Miles Davis. Yeah, uh-huh. And by the way, uh, li- younger listeners, Mile Dewey Davis III, born in May 1926 and died September 1991, two years before this episode, was an American jazz trumpeter, band leader, and composer. And he's among the most influential and acclaimed figures in the history of jazz. Basically, a cool cat. <laughs> yeah. Do you get it? Do you get it? Ugh. Anyway, this guy could do wonders for my career, so I asked him out on a date tonight in my new car. Oh, uh, not so fast, Pumpkin. You're gonna need to be covered. Isn't that up to the guy, Dad? <laughs> I'm talking about auto insurance, you little... <laughs> oh, no, Pumpkin. Now, just so you didn't think that Daddy didn't care, I went out and got the best. South 40, auto insurance, the farmer's friend. But there are a few things that you need to know. You registered our car as a farm vehicle? <laughs> Don't be surprised. He registered the Dodge as a pull toy. The next thing I register is going to be a handgun. <laughs> Sweetheart, now that you're driving a farm vehicle, there are a few restrictions that you need to know about. One, you must not drive on paved roads. Two, the Amish always have the right of way. And three, since you always must be on official business, you must have this in your car at all times. (laughs) Hence, the South 40 motto, no chicken, no check. Okay, so basically, Kelly is really excited. She is on a date now with the... With the, with a really really popular cat, and she's really excited. But Al, looking out for his daughter as usual, goes not so fast, pumpkin. You're gonna need to be covered. And what does she say back? Isn't that up to the guy, Dad? Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. So, okay. Uh, so we've got. So we've already had a vibrator choke. Now we've got a condom choke. Mm-hmm. That is like within six to seven minutes of each other. So beautiful. All right. So, but no, 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 no. What Al's referring to is the fact that they're going to be driving this car. They need what we every responsible driver needs: auto insurance. Yeah. It's much more of an easier conversation to have nowadays than health insurance. Auto insurance is absolutely necessary. And it's affordable. And it's absolutely affordable, (laughs) and it pays for what it covers. I'm sorry, guys, it does. I've had my car towed many times when when something broke down, and that didn't cost me a cent because I have insurance. 
So please get it if you don't. If you don't. If you're driving around without insurance, guys, uh, this isn't a political statement. This is just me looking out for you, listeners. If you're driving around without with a car without insurance, stop and get insurance. You're gonna need it. I had a wreck not too long ago from someone who hit me who didn't have insurance, and it hacked me off. First of all, he was driving backwards on the highway, which is one of the dumbest <laughs> things you can do. You know, I switched to another highway, and I saw him, and I saw the brake lights, and this was quite a bit ahead of me and i could see he's backing up and i got too much traffic on either side for me to change lanes so i'm braking and i see his reverse lights come on i start honking him he stills backing up and he hits me and um i pull fortunately it wasn't that bad i mean it could have been a lot worse but i pull over to the shoulder he continues backing up almost hits another car and i wave him over and i take a picture of the damage under my my front end and then he, um, I asked him his name. He gives me his name. He gives me an address, and I type it in. And then he says, can I go now? And I said, no. I said, I'm calling the cops because you haven't given me your insurance. Well, he told me he had missed his exit to get to the Social Security Administration office in Tulsa. And he continues to back up, at least this time on the um, shoulder. I snapped a picture of his license, and the cops caught him. You know, I called the cops. They came out. But I had to pay 500 my own deductible to get my car fixed. And that's the first time ever I've been hit by someone with uh, who didn't have insurance, which is pretty amazing if you think about it. So I guess you guys in Oklahoma aren't a no-fault state? No. Basically, that means uh, Michigan is uh, very popularly known as a no-fault state. Basically, what that means is every person is responsible for their own insurance and their own accidents because there was a lot of times Michigan has a high amount of people throughout history with driving cars without insurance so basically if before that we became a no-fault state if someone hit me and we totaled even though it was his fault if he didn't have insurance my insurance would have to cover my own damages and my rate would go up now fortunately my rates will not go up though Okay, so, so you are in a no fault state. Yeah. Because if you were in a if you were in a single fault state, your rates would have gone up because he didn't have insurance and your insurance had to pay for it. You cost them money, therefore your rates went up because you didn't do the right thing and avoid this guy. Which I right, you're just like, wait a minute. That's why all those court things led to a no fault state. Insurance companies couldn't victimize the drivers for having a, an accident happen to them, like a legit one. You know, and I wasn't the one issued a citation. You don't drive backwards on the highway. That is illegal. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't really matter. Like in a no fault state, it doesn't matter if the person stole the car, doesn't have insurance, or whatever. Your rate only goes up if you were the one at fault, and if you were yeah. the one who caused it, and that has to be proved. So, thankfully, you you were you were you were proved. So, yeah. And by the way, listeners, also don't ever drive backwards on the highway. That is probably the dumbest piece of shit you can do, unless you're being chased by a T Rex, aliens, or other. Yeah, which is not going to happen. But anyway. Oh, knock on wood. I'm knocking on wood right now. Okay, so you never know. <laughs> 2020 has been a weird year, so you never know. <laughs> but yes, in all its intents and purposes, Stephen is correct. Please refrain from driving in reverse 80 miles an hour down a highway. All right. Yeah. But 
I think we can go away with this little sidebar here that insurance is a very good thing. Such yeah. a good thing that Al himself went ahead and got the kids covered. And what insurance cover did he get? Did he get Allstate? Did he get Progressive? Did he get Geico? No, he got... We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. No, 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 not that one, Stephen. No, no, not the J.K. Simmons very affordable farmer's insurance that it covers everyone, not even just farmers. He gets... South 40 Auto Insurance, the farmer's friend. <laughs> and to prove this joke, he goes over to the, ca- to, the, to the closet, opens it up, and in it is a legit, not a fake chicken, sitting in this cage... And goes, you need to be covered because all our coverage needs to be shown that you're driving for farming purposes. (laughs) So that's why our motto is, no chicken, no check. And that's the title of this episode. (laughs) They said the the line. I know they said said the line, Stephen. I can't believe it. I got to refill my soda. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, it's... I was laughing so much when they... When he opened that closet. And then it's like, you registered as a farm vehicle? Don't be surprised. He registered the Dodge as a pool toy. <laughs> and then what does he respond with to Peg? The next thing I register will be a handgun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some livestock I got to put down. Big Red Bull. <laughs> and then the insurance restrictions. Sweetheart, now that you drive a farm vehicle, there are a few restrictions you need to know about. One, you must not drive on paved roads. Yes. <laughs> Two, the Amish always have the, have the right of way. <laughs> oh, man. Which, honestly, we're, we're listeners, we're making fun of this because if you're not watching, if you haven't watched the episode, Al's standing there with, I'll say it again, a live chicken in a cage. of uh, It must be a trained chicken because it's not freaking out. But it's a live chicken. And this, what he said is actually kind of true. I don't think this insurance agency exists. But if it did, this sounds like real insurance speak. You need to have something in your car that shows that you are doing some type of farming work. If you have a live chicken in there, I am transporting a chicken. Amish people should have the right of way. It's like a mo- a person in a moped or a bicycle or a pedestrian always has the right of way because they're in a object or thing that's going to be moving slower than you. Pedestrians always have the right of way unless I'm driving. But ex- exactly. Unless they piss me off, then they're dead. But it's true though. Like insurance speak. All these things he's talking about. You must always drive on paved roads. Uh, When I got insurance for riding on a moped, I had to guarantee that I would never be driving, riding my moped in the middle of the street, even if there are no cars. If I wiped out in the middle of the street and it was shown that way, my insurance wouldn't cover for it because I wasn't on the side of the shoulder where I should be. Anyhow, Kel, I got a date with this foreign exchange student who's so easy, she makes you look like a calculus problem. I can't have the car tonight because I'm going out with neuter. You can go out with dad anytime. Now I got a date and I promised her I'd take her to the drive-in. Well, I'm taking my date to the drive-in in my car. I'm not giving up my date. Well, I'm not giving up my date. 
as the episode moves forward, we tune into Kelly and Bud with their respective dates. We've got Bud with his Sonia girlfriend, uh, girl of the evening, lady Uh of the evening, I should call her. And they're, they're having fun. And then we've got Kelly and Neuter himself in the back, which I wrote down in my notes just a little bit of reactions that Kelly has with this guy. Great date. Like, this is a good guy for Kelly. Even before yeah. we learn the, the truth about, like, you know, his family situation. American movies are so confusing. So much subtext, so much character. Well, I think the important part to remember is that Elmer is mad at bugs. <laughs> you see, uh, he tied a shotgun into a bow earlier. Exchange student, huh? What did we send to her country? A head of lettuce and some sand? <laughs> what does she mean by that? Oh, nothing. I'm just gonna get comfortable here. <laughs> Sorry, Kel, if I hurt your legs or his hand. It's okay. Accidents happen, which explains you. <laughs> hey, shut up! God, we're trying to have sex over here! So are we! <laughs> you know, I'm sure you hear this all the time, but. Your portrayal of Neuter the Cat is staggering. Thanks. (laughs) Have you seen my new one where I say, My stomach hails the taste of entrails. (laughs) Great date, Kel. What, was the 4,000 flushes guy busy? After these messages, we'll be right back. I'm Al Eisen. I invented an automatic toilet bowl cleaner called 2000 Flushes. Because cleaning the toilet is a lousy job, nobody likes it. So I made 2000 Flushes so you wouldn't have to do it. Here's how it works. We use chlorine bleach. That's the chemical that's used in swimming pools to help keep the water sparkling and the sides clean. It works the same in your toilet bowl. It really does. And it keeps it clean, not just for one month, but up to four months. So get my 2000 Flushes. Why buy anything else? back to our show. So, Bud has the perfect Bud girlfriend. Who is it, Stephen? Her name is Sonia, and she is played by Villater Hershon. And she had... Uh, Stephen, I think you mispronounced her name. It's not Sonia. It's... It's Sonia. Sonia. It's an exchange student. Not sure if it's French or Italian. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> well, I forgot about that. But in any case, uh, she does have quite a, a list on Internet Movie Database. It doesn't look like she's done much over the last couple of years. I mean, once you do, bud, yeah, there's it's, really not it's, much to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, she only has 16 acting credits. One of those was with uh, Tommy Lee Jones in U.S. Marshals, the sequel to um, the remake of uh, The Fugitive. <laughs> I remember when I saw U.S. Marshals, I saw the trailer for it, I thought, this is like The Fugitive. <laughs> 
And the fugitive looks exactly like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood's FBI. She was in Acapulco Heat, an episode of A Murder She Wrote. She had some recurring roles in Stargate SG-1. Oh, nice. So unless she was not very uh, responsible with her money, she's probably living a successful life off those residual checks there. That's some good TV right there. Yeah, it is. Uh Uh-huh. Good for Sonia, because in this episode, she's playing whatever European accent you find sexy, because she's kind of putting it all in there. It kind of reminded me of Not Another Teen Movie. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. It's... uh... I don't pretty, think so. It's a wait, pretty decent pair. Wait, I, wait, wait, wait. I, I think, is it not another teen sex movie? No, it's just not another teen movie. But it's it's about, like, uh, sex and stuff, right? Well, it does deal with that, but it's it was a parody of teenage angst movies, particularly by those of John Hughes. They all went to John Hughes High School. It's one of Chris Evans' first roles way before he becomes Captain America. Well... The high school is named John Hughes High School, right? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, I have seen this. <laughs> yeah, and it's a fun movie. And they have this girl named uh, Ariola, of all things. Oh, my God. <laughs> she is a uh, foreign exchange student. Her, her accent changes all the way through. She just struts around naked in the movie. <laughs> Are you serious that that was actually her name is Ariola? That was See, guys? her name in the, in the credits was Ariola. Listeners, this is why all movies need to be watched with subtitles, because I thought her name was Ariel through the entire movie. <laughs> it's Ariel. I would have enjoyed it much more. you got to find those jokes. Yeah. Um. And, and she said to the principal, I'm here only to get let nerds get laid, because they can't get American sex. <laughs> so... <laughs> So Bud is in good company for the kind of date he's interested in. However, Kelly, though, is on a different mission. She's now pl- hanging around with a new guy that she met. The g- I gotta say, it's the end. The guy who plays Neuter the Cat on their Tender Innards commercials. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, okay. If I can't have Psycho Dad movie filmmakers, somebody make the Tender Innards commercial with Neutered the Cat. Please. That sounds so awesome. (laughs) Oh, man. The thing was, though, I I kept wondering, it would have been better if she had dated someone who uh, like put on a costume of Garfield. I thought that would have been more fitting. You're trying to think that they could... Wait, was Lorenzo Music still alive when they made this episode, or he, was he already dead? Uh, that I don't know. Because uh, for listeners who don't know who Lorenzo Music is, he was the original voice of Garfield uh, before Bill Murray took him over. I don't even know what that guy looked like. I only know him as the voice. And for older listeners, you would also recognize Lorenzo Music as the voice of Rhoda's door guy, who you only hear in the intercom. So he's been he pops up throughout all sitcoms uh, throughout the uh, 70s and 80s. But we all know that Kelly is a big thing for Garfield. So wouldn't it be amazing if her date was just this dude wearing a cat costume and it was Lorenzo Music's voice? Like, hey, Kelly, how you doing? I, I, I can't do it. I can't do his voice. It's impossible. I, I remember hearing it on that animated series. but uh, And she mentions the other cat, uh, Heathcliff. And I'm kind yeah, of wondering... she's got a cat thing, a, a cat yeah. cartoon thing going on. But why didn't she mention Garfield? It's kind of like, he's the most famous. I actually thought about that. So Heathcliff 
is I either okay, I think Heathcliff was owned by a subsidiary that owned the Fox Network. So I think they were allowed to talk about him. I Garfield was trademarked really hard at that time. And at this point, Married with Children was way more popular than it was when Kelly was talking about Garfield. So I think it's a combination of both Married with Children being way too popular and uh, executives saying, ooh, can we even na- can we name drop Garfield in the same line as a neutered the cat kind of deal? Uh, do we really want Garfield to be associated with Kelly, who's always been talking about being a hooker and stuff? Because it's a really kid-friendly cartoon. I don't know. I, I think there's something with it. Because I think in the pantheon of cartoon cats, I'm pretty sure Heathcliff is like several paw prints below Garfield in mm. popularity, especially at that time. So yeah, Garfield, too popular to be touched, probably. Heathcliff and Miles Davis, screw them. <laughs> no. And you know, when this scene started, you know, Sonia is saying that, uh, I love American movies. They have so much plot and subtext. And Bud has to tell her, or remember, uh, Elmer is mad at Bugs for tying his uh, gun barrel into a bow. Oh, yes. For tying Elmer F- Elmer's gun into a bow. Like, they name drop to probably one of the most copyrighted Looney Tunes characters ever on the planet. And this was after Who Framed Roger Rabbit, so the uh, legal battle over these characters had already been well-established. Fox would have been aware of that, and so would Mary with Children. They took a really risk of just throwing out those names. So, I just found that interesting. I really, really draw to that kind of stuff, like uh, product placement, name-dropping, legal stuff, because I know that costs money. I know Fox is new at this kind of thing, but it is a major network, and Married with Children is a popular show at this time, so you have to worry about that kind of stuff. (laughs) (sighs) All right, Kel, look. We can't go on like this anymore. In order to make this sharing thing work, we're going to have to coexist together in the car, okay? Okay. Deal. Bud, my loins are warm for you. Get out. (laughs) No, I hate you. If you want to get into the back seat, get into somebody else's car. That is really stupid, Kel. Hey, um, you want to get into the back seat of someone else's car? (laughs) Or better yet, that, that pickup truck right there? Isn't that dangerous? Well, danger is my middle name. (laughs) Franklin's his middle name. Well, you know, this whole episode also reminded me of uh, something that happened when I was, uh, well, that meant my cousin Eric was 13. Our grandfather bought us a minibike. Let me tell you. Both of us sharing a minibike was the worst idea, you know, I can't think of it. Oh, it was the worst idea since Howard the Duck. I kid you not. Oh, dear. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) And after the second fist fight, my grandfather just decided to give it back to the merchant. Got his money back. (laughs) Oh, you guys, you guys must have tore that bike up, though. Like, you know, we just we were fighting over who was going to ride it next. (laughs) 
I get drunk. Oh, yeah. I was having images of you and your you and you crashing all over the place. Oh no, my cousin and I, we were just angry. You know, we were just fighting over who was going to ride it next. And Eric would ride it longer than I would ride it longer. And he said, "You should have been back. It was my turn." No, I still got my turn because you, you know, just like kids. It was just like kids. I'm glad you brought that up, like because I never thought about that. I my brother was six years younger than me, so it never was an issue. I, yeah, sharing a vehicle—that doesn't sound like it would work at all. Nope, not at all. You know, and I teach driver's ed. I, I told you that. I don't know if our audience knows. I teach driver's ed during the summers and part time during the school year. It's a local driving school. And uh, I talk to kids about insurance and about driving. And whenever I hear about when I get in the car, I like to, you know, with the students, I'll ask them questions. Hey, about their lives a little bit yet. Do anything extra at school? Uh, You have a what do you uh, do for fun and things like that. And uh, one thing always comes up, what kind of car are you going to get? And I've heard this a lot more lately. Oh, I'm going to share this. I'm going to share this car with my sister or my brother. And I'm thinking, no good is going to come from that. Well, you know what, Stephen? Maybe uh, I want to believe that maybe parents nowadays, meaning probably around my age, uh, a little bit older, have lived more financial, fiscal lifestyles and maybe have taught the children how to share things that you and me tended to, you know, have the luxury of both siblings or, you know, two people having the same of maybe, maybe they're just, maybe, maybe they've learned how to share better. I mean, I'm just being positive, hopefully, maybe. but more likely it's going to be fights. Of course, I, I base it on my experience with my cousin, Eric, who was, who was more like a brother growing up because he and I were close in age, and he, he and I were friends, and we'd pal around a lot. Yeah, I'm thinking back to the time when, oh, the one thing that me and my brother did have to share, every game console we ever had, for some dumb reason, we only had one controller for, so we never got to play multiplayer with each other. It was always a sharing thing. We had to learn how to be like, okay, you've played a total of 30 minutes, slash, you haven't, you've died three times, Whichever comes first, give me the controller. It's my turn. And amazingly, we rarely ever fought about stuff like that. Whereas nowadays, I couldn't imagine. Like, there apparently there are kids who share tablets and share, like, the smartphones or or stuff like that. I, yeah. I can't. I, it's That's something that was always just mine. I don't know. I couldn't imagine sharing that. So it was something like a car the Kelly and Bud are that close of an age and they're sharing it. Even at the worst of times, that would suck. Yeah. But especially on a double date. And we haven't talked about him. His name is Sean O'Brien and he has 148 acting credits. Damn. Yeah. He just did. uh, Let's see here. Not a whole lot I'm familiar with. Boy, make well, that's in post-production. The Stand at Paxton County, The Real Brothers of Simi Valley, Deal Breakers, The Unicorn, Golden Boy. So he's been working quite a bit. Let's see. Well, what year was his most recent acting credit? Uh, this year, 2020. Wow, still working. Good for him. Oh, here's one. The Middle, 
He was Ron Donahue, a regular in the middle, that TV series. Oh, so he's making stacks then, if yeah. he was a regular on that show. I love that show. I missed that Never show. Never saw one episode, but I respected, uh, I saw enough to realize I can see why this is famous, but I'm yeah. not watching it. <laughs> it was really good, and I, I like to call it Scrubs Meets the Family Sitcom. Because it was very much like Scrubs in many ways. Looks like he's been in Hot in Cleveland. Good luck, Charlie Brown, the TV series. He looks like he was in Bones once. Good luck, Charlie Brown. Yeah. He, he made it into the Peanuts? I guess so. Damn. Maybe okay, as a voice so actor. Apparently, uh, Mr. Neutered here has got more cojones than I, <laughs> yeah, <he is laughs> that I gave him credit for. He was in a TV series called Abby. He was a regular in that one. I'm not familiar with that one, but I was looking for something a little bit more prominent. But, man, he's been working a lot. Keep going. Like, yeah. Go back to some of the most earliest stuff he was in. I, I um, want to know what he like started with. Yeah, uh, he was in Roseanne uh, as a guest spot. Looks like he was in the movie Crimson Tide. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah. There he is, married with children. He was in Beverly Hills 90210. Another... Oh, who the heck was he in? I've been watching that show for the first it was time. Called, his name was, well, he he was in one uh, episode called Greek to Me. Charles <gasps> Dixon, yeah. Wait, what was his name? Charles Dixon? Yeah, Charlie Dixon. I just watched that episode like a week ago. Oh my God, that it, oh. He's been wow. in uh, Quantum Leap. <laughs> Northern Exposure, and it looks like his very first acting gig was in MacGyver. Nice. Way back in 1991. I and, love this. That you just we found a a guy just a he is a just a career actor. He's not a famous famous person. He doesn't seem to be someone who got a nepotism in or had like a huge lucky fortunate breaks he just looks like he was at the right place at the right time and just knew how to make the move in the career because this guy this guy's a success mm -hmm. all right so he has earned his spot at this point apparently sitting next to our our amazing kelly but the way he acts he is He's not a bad-looking guy, either. He's Yeah, he's he's not a bad-looking guy. He doesn't seem to have any weird qualities. He's shy. And we know Kelly, deep down, is kind of a, you know, she's a cutesy little gir girly girl at heart. She, even though she acts tough, she kind of likes being thought of as a princess and stuff. And this is totally a guy that would treat her like that. Here we find out a secret about him floored me that Kelly didn't already know this. That he is insanely rich. Oh, like yeah. billionaire with a capital B rich. And when he said that, I totally thought I missed something in the episode because Kelly's mouth drops too, and I'm like, Yeah. Aw, you didn't know that, and you actually like him. This is perfect. And <laughs> so basically this Kelly and Bud scenario, Steven doesn't really go a lot. Uh, places no. it does it is funny for the um for what i call my looney tunes moments which there are a couple of them because bud is trying to impress this girl and is at the same time trying to get them away because picture this listeners if you're not watching it it is a four-seater car 
Bud and his girl are in the driver's seat and passenger seat, and Kelly and his, her date are in the back seat, real drive-in style. But it, this is some, I've never been to a drive-in movie really before as a date scenario, and I've never done that with another couple. It just doesn't seem it seems weird, especially if it was my sister. Yeah, I mean, I could see double dating with, like, say, my brother or a friend. You know, and I've done that, you know, gone out on a date with my, you know, I take a date, my brother takes a date or my friend's date. But did you ever do it at a drive throughs No, it was not in a drive through It was kind of like going out just for dinner, you know, just talking. That I could do with a sibling. Yeah. That I could do with a friend. A drive through Not at a drive-in. I don't think I, and I've never been on a date in a drive-in, believe it or not. It's obviously from a different either time period or different place or a regional thing. Maybe there weren't drive-ins where you grew up and stuff, but... Well, there are drive-ins. I remember going to it when I was a kid with my family, but I just never went on a date to a drive-in. Because when you think about it, it is like, I. it's ideal with a capital I for a hot and heavy date. Yeah. Like, there are movie theaters like King Kong 2005. That entire boat scene was Makeout City from my date at my time, me and my date there. But you're, you can't do much more than just make out. I mean, you can't even really get intense. We were just like kissing. We weren't even making out because I still felt like there were people around us. If we were in a car and I knew everybody else was most likely watching the movie or parked around us and we weren't going to get like interrupted by anybody. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> the fact that that kind of stuff is happening with Kelly, I would never say, hey, bro, bring your girl. You guys could be in the back seat. I'd be like, all right, you two leave. You can go watch over there on the benches. Uh, me and my date are going to be in this car by ourselves. <laughs> yeah, but, it, you know, and I actually made a note about that. Double date with a sibling in a, in a drive-in? No. Yes, what a drive-in represents. Like, no, you are doing that to get physical and down. You're not going there to have the movie experience. Or there had to have been that. Listeners, if any of you out there did do a date with a drive-thru, especially our female listeners, like, send it in on the post when we post this episode. Remember that. Like, we'll ask. Like, is was that a thing? Was that like a, oh, it's a date, but it he wants us to go to the drive through. I don't know if I'm ready for that. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's yeah. it had to have been like, hey, you know what what we're at, what this is really talking about? Yeah, yeah. But Bud knows what I'm talking about. Bud, my loins are warm for you. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> no, I hate you. If you want to get into the back seat, get into somebody else's car. That is really stupid, Kel. Hey, um, you want to get into the back seat of someone else's car? <laughs> or better yet, that, that pickup truck right there? Isn't that dangerous? Well, danger is my middle name. <laughs> Franklin's his middle name. Watch, I'll, I'll show you how easy it is.
It's all clear. Come and get it. really like you. He's wearing his underwear with the hearts. <laughs> Why don't we go? <laughs> I, the, it's so stupid. It sounds like David Faustino made this up on the spot because he's like, hey, babe, why don't we go find someplace a little more intimate? Like the back of that truck over there. <laughs> <laughs> the truck of somebody who's watching the movie at the drive-thru. This isn't an abandoned truck. This yeah. is someone's this is someone's vehicle that they're in. And he's like, it's really easy. Watch, I'll show you. And he gets out, goes over, hops on in. And, okay, this is an episode for great animal actors. We already got Charlie the Chicken, who I just named, doing a great job in his cage. And now we've got Daniel the Doberman. <laughs> That's a is Doberman, that right, name? Steven? No, is- I'm making this crap up. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> It's a Doberman, right? Or my name doesn't work. Looks like a Doberman, yeah. Okay, yeah. Like it's a Doberman, but the way he's standing, uh, sitting, actually, like I see that color and I think Rottweiler, because then it's. And did you catch this, Stephen? I looked. I zoomed in. I put my headphones on to make sure I was hearing it right. They have such a sweetheart dog. That that they ADR'd, growling. It didn't, it didn't wouldn't surprise me. It's so adorable. They just literally had a, a Doberman sit up and stare at Bud. Like, I don't know how this, like, perfect timing, because he got into that car and just sat, that truck and just sat there for, like, five seconds. That dog would have popped his head out in real life the second Bud got even closer to it. Yeah. And, and he's just waiting, and someone off the set probably was just snapped his fingers, and then this dog just sits straight up noble-like and stares at him, looking like the friendliest thing, and then you just hear someone in post put in a stock sound of a dog growling, and yeah. Bud looks makes a face like, Mother! And cut back to the car as they watch Bud get apparently torn to shreds by this dog oh and you remember the dog the computer readout thing oh yes our second looney tunes-esque thing um we have uh steven points out that it's probably the terminator vision which (laughs) i would say the terminator is red so i don't think that should be the terminator vision but it has to be ripping something off I'm thinking it's the Bionic Man. Am I wrong? I no. The Bionic Man, he could telescope his lens, but it never gave computer readouts. Mm, this might be an original here. Regardless, we've entered another Looney Tunesy moment where they're just gonna go. We're gonna. We're, this dog is either a robot, or an alien, or more likely is just focusing really hard, and this is how we're telegraphing it. I also couldn't help but think of Austin Powers when Bud says, um, Danger is my middle name. And then oh, Kelly yeah. <laughs> says, Franklin's his middle name. But I always think of Austin Powers, Danger is my middle name. <laughs> <laughs> yes, beautiful. Maybe that. Maybe that's where they got this kind of idea. But 
but that's why I chose. And lit listeners, you probably remember at the beginning, I said my name Tyler. My name's Franklin. And if you guys hadn't watched the episode, you'd be like, "Wait, what? I never knew that. Why do you say that?" Well, it's not Franklin, guys. It's Paul. If anyone actually gives a crap, but I said that because it's so funny because. Everyone knows when someone makes fun of a character's middle name, especially a male, they usually want to make it something silly, like Gladiola or Marion, make it feminine. But Kelly's just like, no, his middle name's Franklin. And the audience loses their minds laughing at that. And I laughed too. And then I stopped. I'm like, wait, why is that funny? What's wrong with the name Franklin? (laughs) Yeah, it just seemed like a... Okay, I've got to tell you this. Go ahead. Worst name in the world, especially for a boy. My first day of teaching in a small district, you know, this is my second teaching job, in a small rural district in uh, northeastern Oklahoma. I'm going through my eighth grade roster the first day, and I come to a name, Peter Hancock. This boy raises his hand real quick and says, Chad, please call me Chad. I thought to myself, my God. Who would name their son Peter, who has the last name Hancock? I can beat that one, bro. I was helping my brother fill out those Valentine's things back in the day where you were forced to bring a Valentine in for every single student. So glad they don't they don't do that anymore. Um, but I literally was going through it because it was like at 10 at night. And my brother was in bed because he was in first grade. I was filling them out. My mom was writing the I was writing the cards, and my mom was pasting the candies on stuff. And I'm going through the list, and I'm like, "Wait a second. I was like, "Ma, is this a fake name?" His name was I kid you not. This was a school roster. Buell B U E L. That's his first name, and I'm not making fun of that. Buell last name. Spelled the way it sounds, Foggy Bottom. Buell Foggy Bottom. Buell oh, Foggy Bottom. Like F O G G Y B U T T O M. Unbelievable. I, I wrote it and I'm like, are you sure that someone didn't make a joke or they misspelled it or something? This can't be right. There, it has to be like a foreign name that they misspelled incorrectly. Like, uh, oh, it, I, we wrote it down, and that poor child, I hope, is, is okay right now. <laughs> you know, that's why I understand some people will change their name, I, I, in all honesty. <laughs> it, Don't uh, it blame reminds, them. And that reminds me of the my two favorite Bart, uh, Bart Simpson prank phone calls on Mo. One was... Yeah, I need to get a page of a friend of mine. His last name is Roch. First name is Mike. Hey, is Mike Crotch here? Has anyone seen Mike Crotch lately? Mike Crotch! Oh, I love that. <laughs> or, uh, or wait, is Hugh there? Last name Jazz? Yeah. Uh, Hugh Jazz. I'm Hugh Jazz. <laughs> Phone yeah, for you. backfired. It was so great. I think that was, that was the last one, I think. And that's when Bart says, I'm not doing it anymore. Like, here's a phone for you. Um, he's like, my name's Hugh Jazz. It is? Yes. How can I help you? Uh, uh. This is a prank. This backfired. <laughs> uh, I gotta, I'm gonna hang up now. Very well. See you later. <laughs> I think you said better luck next time when Bart said this is a prank call that just went bad. 
And yeah, but he goes, he's like, oh, I see. Better luck next time. He's so polite. Yeah. The, the, but the other one that always stuck out to me was when he wanted to, he wanted Mo to page Amanda hug and kiss. Hey, everyone, I'm looking for Amanda hug and kiss. Come on, why can't I find Amanda hug and kiss? All of them, all of those were so stagey. Yeah. Except one that actually would have gotten me if I was busy and in a rush. I'm looking for a guy. Um, it's so stupid. His He goes by initials I and then capital initial P and then last name Freely. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, IP Freely. And then I think Futurama made a joke with that too. That How the pilot works where he's like, pizza delivery for I see Wiener. <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> oh, okay. This is not a Simpsons or Futurama podcast. Those funny names. Yeah. But yeah, how do we even get to that? Oh, yeah. Franklin. That's not a funny name. All the other names me and Steven were talking about are funny names. Franklin is not. But the fact that they were able to name drop it so... It's all about timing, and Mario Children is reminding me again and again that comedy is all about timing. You can have great jokes, you can have great setup, you can have great actors, but if you don't know how to time your stuff right, you just will never work. And this show, it may fail on some of the, you know, the jokes and the writing and even the acting sometimes, but their timing is always perfect. Yeah. Now we're going to move away from Kel- Kelly and Bundy because this is a definite A, like an A plot, B plot story arc here. And we're uh-huh. going to move back to the more popular one. We're going to move back to Al. When we last left Al, he was rubbing his hands together thinking about all the good food he was about to eat because his fridge is full of that butcher shop that they stole from. And um, he comes on in just singing. A jaunty tune. Amazing beef, how great the taste. Oh, save a slab for me. (laughs) Hey, what are you doing down there? I'm over here, Mongo. Well, Peg, where's where's my tri-tip? Well, according to Jake, the refrigerator couldn't handle that much food. So just kind of OD'd. What are you saying, Peg? That can't happen. Happened to Elvis. Where's my food? I gave it to the poor. Oh, but then it's still around here. Get over it, Al. It's gone. And so am I. I'm going to dinner with the Darcys. Well, what about me? They don't like you. Well, I don't like them either. But I'm, I'm willing to go. Why do I come here? Why doesn't Willie Nelson do a benefit for me? You could call it Allade. So hungry I can eat a vegetable. Marcy! There's a note. Dear Daddy. Due to circumstances. Due to circumstances. What Kelly is trying to say is, we had to dump the chicken. P.S. By the time you read this, I'll be getting some. Love, bud. 
What am I supposed to do with a live chicken? <laughs> Welcome to the Terror Dome. I think Al's going to eat that chicken, Stephen. <laughs> it's, it's inevitable at this point. <laughs> I loved Al, you know. You know, Peg says she's going to go out and eat with those um, Marcy and, uh, I mean, Marcy and Jefferson. I almost said Steve. And uh, he says, why can I come? Well, they don't like you. <laughs> I know. Just just turns and walks the F out the door and doesn't even look back. It's actually very hurtful. Like, there are times where I'm just, where I hate Peggy so, so much because she's just so indifferent to Al. And she's, I would have liked it better if she just made fun of him even more or, like, took, just added a little extra brutality to remind me it's comedic and just, like, take his money. Oh, I just forgot. And, like, take his wallet right out of his pants and turn and walk out. The fact that he just walks right out the door while he's like still shouting after her it's so sad i'm so hungry i could eat a vegetable oh and he wants willie nelson to do a benefit aid for him called al aid i love that oh yes the reference to uh referencing the uh the very farm aid, farm aid and also the the band band aid oh yeah <laughs> Which is also referencing the, and I'll say it to you, to you now, listeners, a lot of, I love name dropping this for people, Band-Aid is not the name of the object we put on our skin when it gets cut. What you put on your skin is called a bandage. Yep. Just as the thing that I grab to blow my nose into is not a Kleenex. It's a tissue. Because I buy Kroger's brand tissues. I don't buy Kleenex because that brand name Kleenex is too expensive. Same as Band-Aid is too expensive because it's a brand. And we've just associated the brand name with the name of the object. So real big digression there, which just shows you strong writing. But what I want to focus on is in that clip that you guys just heard. The guy who Al talks to and thinks that uh, is Peg for a quick second, is this big, fat fridge repair man. He was not credited. No, he's not. He doesn't deserve to be. Because I think he was... It. They wrote him and made it look like he was trying to be part of the episode, but Al and Peggy are like, no, no, you don't get to talk. You, we are talking. It's so funny. Because he has a fun joke, but then they don't even comment on it. It's like, you don't get to be a part of the episode. I, I think it's great because it's, he's just there to remind, to, to be, to show this l- ludicrous idea that their fridge, because it's got food in it, broke because it couldn't handle the stress. <laughs> that can't happen. <laughs> and no, it can't. If you overstuffed your fridge, it's not going to OD. It's just not going to make everything cold. It's not going to break. It'll break if you leave the motor on, a uh, door open. <laughs> but because if Peg just said that, there could be someone who would go, you can't do that. Obviously, someone left the door open or Peg's lying or anything. No, there's an actual repairman there who... uh who backs Peg up on what he what she said, and said, "Hey, it happened to Elvis." 
God. <laughs> which is a very dark and clever joke. Because I thought, wouldn't that actually be better to use that on John Wayne? Because he had so much red meat inside of him that he just kind of broke down. Uh, I don't. Maybe. Or you, maybe 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 people wouldn't have gotten that joke at that time. It would be probably I mean, not, Elvis no. would have been more because uh, it sounds like it would have been a better John Wayne thing because he was a big more he was a notorious meat eater. Didn't he? He said he ate like five or six pounds of beef a day or some shit like that. Like he had a lot of it. Yeah, he was also a smoker. That was another problem. Yeah. Six pounds of beef and four large cigars a day. Oof. That's 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 intense. But um, I just find that whole scene hilarious because it ends with Al doing what I always love. What am I going to do with a live chicken? <laughs> what are you going to do with that knife, Rambo? Or, hey, what are you going to do with that gun? Uh, and then you hear a gunshot. It's just... It's so... <laughs> so we have to move back to kelly and bud's story bud's limping back to that car completely destroyed and i'm still thinking that kelly if i didn't know the rest of this show and where it goes kelly might actually be getting a long-term thing on with our veteran actor here mr neuter the cat to the nurse slash hot dog lady. Did you know that relish aids in clotting? Bud, you are so brave. You let the dog rip you to pieces for me. I resonated my seat for you. Get out. People with futures are talking here. <laughs> so, you really brought your cat suit? Yeah. <laughs> it helps me be myself. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe, but I'm a little shy. I had a tough childhood. People always think the rich have it easy. Well, we don't. <laughs> rich? <laughs> oh, I don't mean like trillionaires. <laughs> Just a few billion. <laughs> Anyway, there are... I know it's strange, but there are things I can say in my costume that I can't say out of it. Like what? Like inviting certain people I like to all expense-paid trips to certain island paradises that I own. Get out! Not this time, fancy feast. The worm has turned. You mean to tell me that a couple seconds of cheap sex means more to you than my happiness? A milkshake means more to me than your happiness. Fine. Come on, Neuter. Let's walk amongst the pines and empty tubes of ointment and talk of the things you own and will give me. Uh, the neutered cat guy does tell Kelly that she's, he's rich. And Kelly, we find out that Kelly doesn't know this. So if Kelly stayed with him because of he's rich, there's not even any guilt there because she was actually going out with him before that. And 
we find out that he brought his weird cat hat that he wears in the commercial because he's very shy. Yeah, so he uh, reveals that he has his neuter the cat uh, costume with him. And that just makes Kelly intrigued. She wants to see him wear it. I'm telling you, Kelly's got a cat thing. No shame in out there for anybody who's into furries or into cat stuff. I think we're seeing some secret Kelly interests. <laughs> a fetish, maybe. <laughs> I know. Uh, we're keeping this as a question. Uh, we will ask Christina Applegate if we ever get her on an interview. Did Kelly got a cat thing? Why? <laughs> But uh, yes, he has the head of a cat, and it turns out he needs to wear this because he can say things that he can't normally say. So Kelly and uh, the the gentleman leave the car. They walk over so he can actually tell her what he wants to tell her, and she's so intrigued and also excited at the idea of having a boy that she likes and who's rich. And I'm sitting thinking... This has to end badly, but I can't figure out where it's going to go. So, this island that you own, is it, uh, near the beach? (laughs) Yes. Well, then put your head on and let's talk. (laughs) Kelly... I've been alone for a long, long time. throws that head on and and gets on his knees and just as a very beautiful thing is about to happen dog bionic man terminator vision kicks on and wouldn't you know it that doberman's still not full from munching up on bud franklin he needs some some kitty cat some kitty cat treats and he takes after that boy and rips him to shreds apparently just one more bandage then I can really hurt you oh it's it's been so long (laughs) well it's gonna be even longer King Tut (laughs) what are you doing here I don't want to talk about it Sit down, neuter. I'm hungry. Bud, why don't you go to the nurse and get us a hot dog? Why don't you go? No, you go. Look, let's just both go, okay? Look, Kel. I'm sorry about your friend, okay? Yeah, well, it's okay. It's just my luck. All the other cats are either married or gay. (laughs) Listen, let's not fight, okay? Why don't you and Sonia take the car and Neuter and I'll go hang out in an alley or something? He's used to it. (laughs) Thanks, Kel. 
Kelly was like, oh, I'm hungry. And Kelly's like, yeah, maybe you should get a hot dog. And I'm like, oh, 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 what did that dog do? I think they're insinuating that dog went for a place he shouldn't have because, well, Kelly can put up with a lot of weird sh- crap in her dates. But if they can't, you know, perform, she out. So <laughs> that's it in there. And Bud can't perform because he's been ripped to shreds by that that dog. Uh, she tries to put on the moves, but he's too too much pain. So Kelly and Bud leave the car to discuss their ennui, and their ennui turns to sickeny. And the worst thing in the world happens. They look over at their car and realize that both Neuter and Sonia are doing the deed in the car. Oh, Newton! Oh, you know what really hurts, Kel? <laughs> Throwing meat in the car and setting Cujo loose on them? You're way ahead of me. Then let's get it over with. And in a normal television show, Stephen, and a comedy, this the scene would just end right there. But not with Married with Children. No, no. No, no, no. Because Bundys stick together. Yep. And Kelly comes up with a really good idea. Because, and I'm seeing a theme right now, Stephen, meat is playing a big part of this episode. Yep. Meat both... uh, who is meat and who isn't meat? Who's getting it? Is it in fridges? Is it not in fridges? Are we eating it? Are we not eating it? It's it's a theme because she talks about, let's throw some actual live meat into that car and uh, sick that Doberman pitcher in there. And just leaving you wondering <laughs> what's going to happen next. <laughs> and you know what's going to happen next. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that... We saw what that dog did to to those two boys outside, inside a car, fully motivated. Boy still possibly dressed. Up. I'm I'm assuming he has that cat hat on, doing that to Sonia, and who and you know Sonia's into it. She's into cartoons, so maybe she likes it. And that that dog's gonna go to town, and not just on those people, on that car too. Because later we move back in to our beloved Al and Peggy. Peggy's sitting at the table with Al, and Al just humming along more of his favorite tunes. Buffalo Wings, won't you come out tonight and dance by the light of the Al, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the kids' insurance policy say, no chicken, no check? You hate to see me eat, don't you, Peggy? <laughs> but it's too late. It's in... And it's staying in. Yeah, I've heard that before. I'll get another live chicken tomorrow. Besides, the chances of the kids wrecking that car the one night the chicken isn't in it is a billion to one. Daddy, we wrecked the car. (laughs) On purpose. You're right, Dad. Kelly and I aren't ready to share. So to get our money back... We just totaled it. Mm-hmm. So now all you have to do is just toss the chicken in what's left of the back seat before the insurance company gets here, and we're home free. 
Too proud of us, big guy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I love it, Stephen, how this episode just decides to end on another Looney Tunes gag of Al deciding, I'm going to murder these children, and while I'm at it... I'm going to go after the wife. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? As somebody who owns a car and owns car insurance, uh, yes, I would be staring at my own children with murder eyes. If they came in and said what Alan Kelly said, I mean, Pet Kelly and Bud said, like, hey, we destroyed a car on purpose. Hee-hee. You know, and here's the thing. Al is contemplating the chicken. He's going to eat the chicken, and he does. He says, what are the odds of the kids towing the car uh, on the one night they don't have it with them, and I eat the chicken? Yeah. Doesn't he remember what happened in Sukasa, his casa? He gives the kids the cars. He can't after canceling his insurance. They go out and drive. They don't even get out of the driveway, and someone hits them. Like Al is just, yeah, just either doesn't care. Like I said, this it, there's another little uh, evidence to my Looney Tunes theory that I'm going to be like throwing it in. Listeners are going to get start hating it. I'm going to be throwing it in every episode until the end. We are in Looney Tunes territory. Every episode's just going to reset. There's going to be continuity, but only when they care about it. Al should have known. And it in the episode makes it first you think, "Oh, he ate the chicken, so Al did this to himself." No. The insurance policy did not say that chicken had to be alive. That chicken had to be in the damn car. And they left it out, so automatically I'm on Al's side. I'd eat the damn thing. We'll get another chicken. I'm hungry now. Okay, well, I no, I wouldn't kill a live chicken. I'd go to McDonald's first, but still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Al's got to eat what he has around. So in this world, I would. I'd eat that chicken. So let's brush over the part that Al, in his own house, beheaded, feathered, prepared, and prepped, and somehow... Yeah, wait a second. Al doesn't cook. Did Pecky cook that chicken? That's a good question. Because <laughs> it's on a plate. Like, all the accoutrements are around there. I don't know about you, man. I've been around some rural people before where I've seen a chicken get its head lopped off. Me too. Not funny. And I it kind of killed my appetite. I nibbled at some pieces that were given to me and moved my food around on the plate, ate all the sides, but I could not eat that chicken because I heard it alive. It just, there's a different mindset that city folks just don't have and i don't have that i can't i can't eat an animal that i once saw alive like no yay like an hour ago (laughs) it's just like he killed that chicken someone did and someone prepared it maybe the maybe the the refrigerator guy did he got a a wing for it but i don't know but al ate that chicken down to nothing and like in another episode, that would have it would have worked out that Al destroyed himself. You know that there was a null and void clause that said if chicken is consumed on the night of the accident, they're you're in 
plan is null and void. No, the plan was already null and void. So Al is completely innocent of all goings-ons that happen here. He actually was, for him, quite responsible. Well, you know something? You know, you keep mentioning Looney Tunes, and I do vaguely remember, I think it was Porky Pig actually buying insurance from Daffy Duck, a life insurance that paid you know, a million dollars for a black eye. However, there were stipulations that can only happen during a hailstorm in the 4th of July. Something hailstorm? Like yeah, and it all happened. 4th of July? Yes. Yeah. I remembered all that. <laughs> in like the last 10 seconds of the episode. Mm-hmm. And so now, Porky Pig's going to get a million dollars. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, like, they are taking Looney Tunes logic to this, where if you think about it for more than three seconds, but they're also remembering they're in a live-action thing and they can't go as extreme, so they can only make inferences towards it. It's it, it's a joke that I've been making, but I'm really starting to legit have a true theory that there was some underwritten tones that they're like you know what let's try to fit the ep- the world like this al is not just a looney tunes character we're going to slowly build the rest of the world to fit like this so but uh yeah that pretty much that pretty much ends the episode right then and there with al wanting to murder his family again and uh, quite frankly i mean i don't blame him i do not blame him at all peggy's kind of she was just a jerk. She didn't do anything malef- ma- maleficent. She actually went shopping. She, she actually did what she was told to do. And a whole, in a wonderful cut scene that I really would have loved to see how Al forced her to do that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Probably had her on a leash. I don't, ugh. But, uh... <laughs> or a shotgun behind pointed, keep moving, Big Red. <laughs> yeah. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast.com at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Okay, Stephen. So, out of how many chickens out of five are you going to eat on this episode of Married with Children? I'm going to give this one three chickens. I'll eat three chickens. I thought this episode was average. Yeah, it did have a few moments, but I just didn't see it as anything spectacularly new or intriguing or anything like that. So, three out of five for me. Okay, well, I myself am going to give... I'm not going to give, I'm going to eat four chickens out of this, uh, out of the five that are in the pen here. That's a lot of chickens. Oh, it is. And, oh my gosh, I have... I. We we I don't know if you're a Game of Thrones fan, Stephen, but I <laughs> uh, anybody out there who is, I'm sure somebody is listening to this and thinking, how are they not making a Game of Thrones joke? Fine, I'll make it. Uh, I'm gonna have to eat every last effing chicken in this place. <laughs> uh, that 
<laughs> but no, I'm picking uh, four chickens because I was originally going to pick three. The thing that pushed me to pick four was actually the second time when when the Doberman used its uh, like scope vision on the ca- on neutered neuter's character because I had completely forgotten about the dog and it just seems so simple that he's it's so telegraphed he brought a cat costume there's a dog over there of course the dog is going to chase the cat and I never saw that and the and I was watching this with the podcast goggles on and I didn't catch that so I'm going to give I'm going to have to force myself to eat another chicken just for how well crafted the writing is. But that fifth chicken is so tender and so delicious. It just didn't, I just can't eat it because this episode just did not stand out enough with the jokes. Like, as I pointed out, Al should have been more instrumental to his own failure. He was only indifferent to things, and it was actually the malevolence of his family that caused his downfall. Don't get me wrong, his family can be jerks, but it works well when the family is indifferent and Al is the product of his own demise, or at least a big key player. If he's not a key player, then I'm just feeling kind of bad for Al, and that's that's nice, but it's better when... It's more sweet when he destroys it himself. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a template that the show has kind of really cemented, and when they think that they, you know, I don't know, maybe they feel like they just have been too hard on him. Maybe Ed O'Neill made a statement, can't my character just, you know, be sympathetic for a little bit? And I would have been like, no, Ed, no. Al can't be a sympathetic character. Maybe for, like, a few seconds... But at the end of the day, he needs to cause his own crash and burn. All right, I said I was going, and I'm going. But let me tell you something. I'm not going to just disappear. You'll see me again. Wherever a fat woman shoves a smelly foot (laughs) in front of some poor guy's face, I'll be there. And now, the last word on this episode. Calling in from his two-thirds acre retirement property on Lake Chickamacomico that the government hasn't yet padlocked, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the creator and executive producer of the Married with Children podcast, Mr. Alex Edwards. Oh yeah, no, we're still doing Halloween this year. Oh yeah, I'm gonna give kids a potato, just like Steed. Oh yeah, I know, Jerry will love that. Oh wait, I have to do this uh, thing here. Hey guys, what's up? This is your pal, Al. No chicken, no check, huh? Well, let's see. We learned that Al's key for his Dodge is a screwdriver. How awesome is that? Bud and Kelly sharing a car is a bad idea, but it's funny for us. (laughs) Just bad for them. So you knew this episode was gonna be pretty good. Peg finally goes food shopping. I kind of missed that whole thing. Like, what was different from this episode to anything else? Why is she finally buying food when she couldn't even do it the time Al gave her money? Uh, what was it? The 
the Bundy Land one where they had the the yard sale in the backyard, and she went and bought that statue that was like buy me. You know, suddenly Peg can buy what she's supposed to buy. So that's that was interesting. South Forty Insurance farmer's friend, just like uh, Al insinuating that uh, growing your crops really high hides things from the public that you're doing with your animals. That was that was great. Then you get the whole drive-in double date. I loved it. And look at Bud scoring that hot babe from the uh, the French Polynesian Islands, Tahiti, the largest one. So yeah, he's he hooked up with her, man. Pretty hot for Bud, I'll tell you. And Kelly's boyfriend, Neuter, uh, with the cat head, is hilarious. I mean, that guy really, he encapsulated everything weird about a person who, who would do something like that. And it's so weird, like, he's a billionaire, but for some reason he's so attached to this cat thing. He, all he did was, like, try to get, you know, jobs in show business, I guess. And, you know, they said, well, you know, we have an opening for this cat, you know, neuter the cat or whatever. Somehow he got so attached to the role that he carries this thing with him and talks through the head to say what he wants to say. Like, how did that come about? <laughs> you know, like, wh- how random is that? Why would something you do for a commercial suddenly be, like, how you could communicate with people with no filter? <laughs> like, that's just the most bizarre thing ever. But, man, what a payoff. Well, first you get Bud attacked in the back of the pickup by the dog. Al's refrigerator ODing and burning out because it has all the the food it's not used to. And then when Peg says, I, I gave it to the poor, and Al goes, oh, well, then it's still here. Like, Al said that dead serious. Like, he didn't even... It wasn't even like a joke because he wasn't even visibly upset. You know, if he thought the food was really gone, he'd be like, oh, my God, what'd you do? You know, he'd be, like, freaking out about it. But he really thought it was still around since she gave it to the poor. Like, that's just the weirdest thing ever. Like, that's either great commitment to a joke of a guy who just lost all of his meat, or Al really believed what he was saying. Al hearing a chicken and and calling out to Marcy, classic. And then when Kelly says, get out, and then Bud says, not this time, fancy feast. <laughs> Kelly dating a billionaire who owns islands. Hey, I wonder if he owns the uh, French Polynesia islands that uh, Bud's chick is from. Maybe he owns Tahiti. You never know. This could all tie together. You know, it's what we used to do best, tie things together. (laughs) Kelly saying, put your head on and let's talk. It's amazing what you'll put up with when a guy has billions of dollars, right? Bud and Kelly go for a hot dog, and Sonia goes for Neuter's hot dog. I mean, hey, uh, a lot of symmetry there. So they ended off with Theater of the Mind, where they throw meat in the convertible that they're in, doing it in, and Cujo will go after them. I really like this episode. I give it a four out of five. That's Al, folks. But that's pretty much it for this. Uh, Steven, what do we have going on for our next episode that our listeners are going to hear us on? We're going to be looking at Dances with Wheezy. And this is one where Michael Moy, I think, goes back to his time as writing with the Jeffersons. Because Marcy and, um, Marcy and Peg want to go see the Jeffersons live. While Al and Jefferson, they want to go to the new sports bar that's opening. And it leads to an insidious plan that uh, leaves you with a bunch of laughter and a bunch of nice athletes from sports. Yeah, preview on how I feel about that. Let me tell you, (laughs) I may not be a big sports fan, 
But even if I was a huge sports fan, I can tell you right now, I wouldn't be going to that over seeing a live performance of the Jeffersons. Like, yeah. Oh, that would have been amazing. R.I.P. Big capital R.I.P. Join us next time on the Married with Children podcast for season eight, episode seven. Take my wife, please. On Halloween night, the Grim Reaper, in the form of a dark-haired, pasty-faced Peggy, finally answers Al's inadvertent, long-cried call for death, and won't leave him until one of his family members say that they need him. Meanwhile, Marcy convinces Peggy, Bud, Kelly, and Jefferson to impersonate the village people at a party she's hosting honoring female spouse murders. It's gonna be a spooky time. So, listeners, we're about to sign, me and Steven are about to sign off and do our last uh, shots here at the Nudie Bar. We will see you guys, as always, at the Nudie Bar next time for Merry with Children. See you later.